Let's pray. Lord, we thank you so much uh, for your mercy on us, for, for your grace. We thank you, Lord, for the word you've given us uh, that leads to salvation. Um, help us, Lord, to fully grasp it, to understand it, to apply it. And then uh, help us even today as we go over the commandments that, that you've left us to uh, evangelize the world. And help us, Lord, to understand that, to learn how to do that, to overcome the fear to do that. And um, we pray for those who might be on their way, Lord, that you would just grant them safe passage. And we just pray for your blessing on our time. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. So, okay, evangelism and the believer, lesson number eight. Okay, Michael, you should have this memorized. What are we here for? <laughs> uh, to know God more deeply, to have assurance of eternal life, to become equipped for the ministry. Yeah, so the last kind of last part of FOF focuses a lot on ministry and things. And so would you think that evangelism is a ministry? Mm -hmm. Yeah, it certainly is. And so um, this, this is helping us to become more equipped for that. So let's go over the quiz. Let's start with, uh, uh, with you, Kathy. Witnessing is optional. False. That's false, right? Michael. A Christian is able to witness only after False. I mean, people would like to think that, right? But in reality, it's, uh, I, I mean, John MacArthur said it once in a sermon. He, he just said, if you know enough to be saved, then you know enough to share the gospel. You share, you share what you know based on what you, uh, on how you've been saved. And so you don't have to be thoroughly trained. You just have to understand uh, the gospel and just be able to present that. So, okay, Kathy. It is the Christian's responsibility to convince the person that they are witnessing to about the truth of the gospel. See, that's one of them trick questions. <laughs> <laughs> it is my responsibility to convince that person the truth of the gospel. No, it's just my responsibility to tell them. Yeah, so, right? Whose responsibility is it to convince? Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit right? Uh, do you guys know a verse for that? Um how that takes uh, place. The, the, the Holy Spirit uh, convict the world of sin of righteousness yeah, there you and go. judgment. Excellent. I There's one. That yeah. Best, That's a good one. And then also Titus uh, 3 5, right? Uh, not by works of righteousness, which we've done, but um, according to his mercy, he saved us by the washing and regeneration of the Holy Spirit. So it's the Holy Spirit that washes and regenerates. Regenerating as in gives us a new heart. Yeah, good. Very good. All right, Michael. Central message in witnessing is Jesus Christ. True. True, right? Number four, Carol. This is just a trick question. I'm Carol one minute. I'm, I, I'm a Kathy, sorry. That was a trick question right there. Are you Carol or are you Kathy? Uh, the word gospel literally means salvation news. I've always heard good news. So. Right. Yeah. It's, I've uh, never heard it called salvation news, honestly, yeah, but good news, but that would be about salvation. Yeah, it is. The good news is about salvation, but it actually called the good news. Yeah. Now, some people didn't like that, like Sheila, for instance, and so she crossed off salvation and wrote good <laughs> and then called it and then called it true. So, oh, but anyway, that's all right. That's all right. I've never tried to do that ever in a college a college course where, you know, I don't like the questions, just rewrite it, see what the professor does. So. Then, obviously, then you put 
Yeah, right? So, Michael. You should not use much scripture when witnessing because an unbeliever cannot really understand it. False. That's false, right? I mean, the whole purpose, we memorize scripture and use it during during witnessing. However, I have heard people say that, many, and preachers say that. Chris yeah. used to say that all the time. But it's just like, don't throw a bunch of scripture at them. No, yeah. no, 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 no. Uh, yeah. Statement, whoever faith promise, I don't mind calling him out. False teacher. <laughs> um, and, and that would always be his thing, is mm. he would say stuff like that. Like, don't, don't throw a bunch of scripture at them. They don't understand, you know, just tell them. Or, you know, but what, if you're not giving them scripture, what are you giving them? Right. You know? right. Your so. opinion or what? I mean, you can give a paraphrase, a paraphrase of scripture or, you know, you can explain the gospel message um, without using scripture per se, but it's all coming from scripture, right? Yeah. And so uh, I think inter intermixing, you know, the gospel and scripture with your, with your uh, presentation is, is really the best way to do it, right? It's like, it's not, it's not our opinion it, this is what God's word says, and we give them the examples of that. So, yeah. Number eight, Michael. Uh, the Bible teaches that all Christians should be able to defend their faith to anyone who asks the truth. Right, that's our memory verse, right? Did you guys know that one? Not yet. All right. Number nine. Water baptism works together with a person's faith to complete his or her salvation. False. False, right? Now, there are some churches who will hold this, this uh, doctrine, and it's, 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 a, uh, it's a false doctrine, right? Because we would just say, what's the, it, how would you refute that? What an what uh, uh, example in Scripture? The thief, the, the thief on the cross, right? Jesus said, today, today you will be with me in paradise, right? And so he wasn't baptized. He wasn't taken down and dipped and then put back up, right? He was, he was on the cross, so, yeah. And number 10. Baptism is a public identification with the church. False. False, right. Somebody, again, if, if a person is in one of those other churches where they believe in, in the salvific nature of baptism, they would also look to this and say, oh, well, you identify with the church with your, with your, your baptism. But no, actually, what does baptism identify with? Death, burial, and resurrection. Resurrection of Christ. Yeah, absolutely. So that's false. Good. Are you, I don't know that you guys got any wrong. Maybe one or two. I probably did. Because sometimes it's how I put the question together in my head. Yeah. And that me and Sheila have the same issue with that. And it's because both of us have ADHD. Oh. <laughs> so, the, so the reason is, is how you got to ponder it for a minute. And, yeah. And that's why we, me and her the same. I think that's why we connect so well. Mm, yeah. So it's a, you know, sometimes the words are, the questions are tricky on purpose because yeah. it's, it draws down. It's a fine line knowing this or that, right? And when you know exactly what it means, Scripture means, is that, oh, you say, no, that's, that's wrong, even, even though it seems like it could be a, a correct answer. But, so that's why. It just makes you think about it. So. All right. Do you guys know First Peter 3.15? I think I know most of it. All right. Sanctify Christ in your hearts, so you'll always be ready to give a defense to those, to everyone who asks of you of the hope that is in you 
Yeah, very, very good. Very good. Very, very good. So, but sanctify Christ as, and here's the key, as Lord in your hearts, right? So what does that word sanctify mean? We're talking about sanctification. A person is sanctified, or you go through life, your sanctification takes place. So sanctification is to be set apart, right? So you set apart from something to something. So we set apart Christ as what? Lord. As Lord in your hearts. And so the word Lord, you know, we don't have a great uh, feel for that word because we don't live in a feudal society. If we lived in a feudal, a monarchy, for instance, and the king is called my Lord, people recognize that the king has the power of literally life and death in his hand. And so we recognize that Christ is Lord. Christ is the sovereign in our life. And so we set apart Christ as the sovereign in our life and then always being ready to give a defense. And the word defense um, is the English word, uh, well, we get the English word from apologia, right? So you, that's where apologetics comes from, right? Or uh, defense comes from the word apologetics or the Greek word for that. And so we're going to give a defense. We're going to explain uh, to anyone who asks for the hope that's in us, right? And what is that hope? When they see, you know, they see our behavior in certain circumstances and they look at you and they would say, wow, how come you behave differently than other people? What is it that you have that they don't have? Well, it's the hope, right? Like this world is passing away. Everything in it is passing away. I almost passed away. <laughs> so, right? What's the hope? The hope is, is that when we exit this world, we go into heaven, right? We'll be with him in That's right. And so, um, but it's yet with gentleness and reverence. So that means that we're we're kind, we're compassionate, we're understanding, we can listen to their questions, we can answer their questions, right? So we're just, we're ambassadors for Christ, right? And as it says in Corinthians, and we want to give uh, an accurate defense for the hope that we have, understanding that it's the gospel that saved us, and we have, we have the secret to eternal life, right? That's the secret, the gospel, but it is it's free for anybody. We just put it out there for them, and the Holy Spirit does the work in their heart. Right? So, good. Okay, so, the word evangelism brings many thoughts to mind. Some think of tents and famous speakers. Others envision weekly visitations and the terror of witnessing. So, in this lesson, we're going to talk about the biblical concept of evangelism and the role the believer uh, plays in that. Okay, did you guys have any questions about the homework? Did you, did you have a chance to listen to John's message on this, John McCarthy's message? Yeah. Any questions or any highlights that you took special note of? No, I don't think I finished it. I think I started it. I don't think I got to finish it. Yeah, I think in that message, he will say is that a, that's where it says that if a person has enough, uh, if a person's been saved, then they have enough information to share the gospel. Yeah. You know, matter, no matter how brief it might be. So. Okay, so we're going to cover the call to evangelism, the good news of evangelism, which is the gospel, the essentials. Of, of evangelism, a strategy for evangelism, and application. So then, uh, have you guys ever gone out and shared the gospel, or have you attempted before? Well, not like, we shared it, like, but not like out in, uh, you know, just not talking to strangers. strangers. Not neighborhood and strangers like that, yeah. It's but, always uh, been co-workers or people we've become acquainted with. Yeah, I, that's fine. Groups, we used that's to do fine. It. Do you have a fear sometimes of evangelizing? I I'm not good with um, like uh, I don't really have a fear.
fear of it. But it's like everybody that you try you open a convert they turn hostile. And I guess I don't know how to you know what I'm saying? They're mm. very defensive, they jump on the you know, yeah. sharing the gospel with my own mother is that like that. I mean automatically she jumps on the defensive and you know, then she shuts it off. Yeah. You know? So it's right. So I don't really have a fear of it, it's just not knowing what do you do then, you know, like what I do now. Yeah, yeah, and that's good. And that that happens frequently, right? Happens frequently. Um, even even when you were first exposed, what was your initial response? Oh, I've run so many people out of my house. So <laughs> that's why I was like, See? like, you know, I want to come against people like me. Well, I say my problem is I'm afraid of not being able to answer them. Yeah. Even when they have the question. So. Mm-hmm. That goes back to our... Yeah, I know that's why I'm saying. Right. And you don't have to have all the answers. I mean, they could, and, and I'll tell you why is it sometimes people will ask question after question after question after question. You know what? Because they're just taking you down a rabbit hole, right? They don't want to, they don't really want to hear the truth. So they'll divert it, you know, divert the conversation into a different direction so they don't actually Yeah, hear that's it. the way the Jehovah's Witness do. They try to keep you on one trail. Yeah. yeah. Right. Yeah. But I tend to take them off as much as possible. Take them back. Yeah. So, all right, good. And then we want to talk about what are the essential, what's the essential message of the gospel? And you said it. It was, uh, it's actually, we talk about uh, baptism, right? We identify with Christ in the baptism and his death, burial, and resurrection, right? And so that is the essentials of the gospel. And we can talk about that. Death, burial, resurrection. What is our death? Our death is the result of sin, right? And uh, if we die in our sin, where do we go? We go to hell, right? But in trusting in Christ, because he died and he was resurrected, we who believe in him can then have life eternal with him. That's, that's the gospel. All right. And then how do we approach someone with uh, the intent to share the gospel? It's tough, right? How do you just walk up? You know, anybody on the street? Or, you know? So we'll talk about that. There's ways... Okay, why share the gospel? Right there. Okay, uh, Kathy, could you read those for us? <clears throat> Matthew seven thirteen through 14. Enter through the narrow gate, for the gate is wide and the way is broad that leads to destruction. And there are many who enter through it. For the gate is small and the way is narrow that leads to life. And there are few who find it. Yeah, so let's think about this verse. And let's compare with what people describe this nation as. They say this nation is a Christian nation. Now, does that, does that line up with what this verse says? No. No, right? Because narrow is the way in few, right? And that includes the few that are in this country. I mean, it may have been founded on Christian principles, and our laws and our systems may follow Christian principles, but that doesn't mean that the, the majority of the people are Christian, right? And so... What it does mean, though, is that the majority of the people, since they're not saved, then they are going to hell, right? And so uh, the, the, um, the field is ripe for the harvest, right? Many, many people out there have not heard the gospel. Now, see, that's where I'm, I'm, I'm not come across that. Everybody I talk to thinks the same, uh, no matter what kind of life they're living, you know, or whatever. Yeah. That is the big issue that we have. Yeah. Like in the area we live in, everybody thinks they're safe. Right. 
See, this is the this is the issue with being in the Bible Belt, right? Yeah. Everybody has a form of Christianity, but they don't have the power of it, right? Um, and this is true. I mean, I was raised a Catholic, and somebody came and uh, tried to share the, the true gospel with me, and my response is, well, I'm a Catholic, so I'm going to heaven, because that's what the Catholic Church teaches you, right? If you're a Catholic, you're going to heaven. Uh, and so I didn't want to hear it. They, they, they couldn't tell me anything, because I already knew, right, what I was told was true. So, yeah, this is the problem with so many people who uh, born and raised in the Bible Belt, go to, go to church and have already always gone to church, and they know the scriptures, but again, they, they haven't been regenerated. Right? And we'll talk about what that looks like. Well, let me go back here. Sorry. When we get there. Okay, um, what else? Jesus had a heart for the lost, right? For the Son of Man has come to seek and save that which was lost. That's why he came, right? To literally to evangelize the world. And then uh, we see Jesus wept, right? When he approached Jerusalem, he saw, that the, he saw the city and wept over it, saying, If you had known in this day, even you, the things which make for peace, now they, now they have been hidden from your eyes. And so this is when he is coming in in his triumphal entry. And the people there are, you know, Hosanna, 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 calling him out. And then he, he looks at the city and weeps over it. Because um, in three days he knows they're going to they're going to turn on him and say crucify, crucify, right? But notice it says, if you had known that day the things which make for peace, that word make for peace. What does that mean? Make for peace. So the peace is this: make for peace between you or between the people and God, right? Because in, what does it say in, in Romans eight seven? It says that the natural man is at enmity. At war with God. And so when he says make peace, it's peace between the person and, and God, right? And so um, they didn't know it. And what he was referring to was uh, in Scripture, it is very precise. In Daniel, it talks about the, um, the day that the Messiah would enter Jerusalem. And had they had the Pharisees and the scribes done their math on that, they would have been looking for that day and that person, but they didn't, and so he holds them. He holds them. Holds them to account for that. What else? And then Paul too had a heart for the lost, right? He said, "I will most gladly spend and be expended for your souls. If I love you more, am I to be loved less?" Right? So he is. He is literally his whole ministry is about presenting the gospel, setting up churches for the furtherance of the gospel. So, the call is a command, right? Michael, you read that one. Mark 16, 15, and he said to them, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Yeah, right? And so, is that a suggestion? No, it's a command, right? We're to go and do that. He was telling his disciples to do that. And then also... In uh, Matthew 28, 19, 20. I like the verse right before the 18 says, And all authority has been, been given unto me. This is Jesus saying this. And then he says, Go therefore and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. So who has then all authority? Jesus. Jesus has all authority. All authority has been given unto him. 
right? That is authority over everything, over life, over death, over wars, over salvation, over end everything. He is now over everything. All authority has been given to him. And so he says, go make disciples. So that is a command from the commander on high, right? And then Luke, similarly, he says, Then he said to them, Thus it is written that it is necessary for the Christ to suffer and to rise from the dead the third day, and, here it is, that repentance and remission of sins should be preached in his name to all nations beginning at Jerusalem. So it's interesting, when he told his disciples to go into the nations and preach, and preach the gospel, what did they do? Well, they hung around in Jerusalem, right? And people will say, you know, in the, in the, uh, looking at that, they'll say, well, that's, that's why persecution was brought. Because the persecution came, and then they left. And that's how the gospel was spread, because of the persecution that came on the church. So it's, uh, you know, can we say that, oh, if it wasn't for the fact that they had stayed there and they actually had left, would the persecution come? Well, we don't. We don't know that, but it was it was definitely true that when the persecution came was when the dispersion took place, and then they, the the Jews that were there carried the gospel out to uh, other nations or other communities. And then Acts, and you shall be my witnesses both in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria, and even to the remotest part of the earth. So that their command is another subtle command here. You're gonna you're gonna give the gospel to the remotest part of the earth, right? Except that. They didn't immediately do that until the persecution came. Okay. And then also, the, the gospel is a sacred trust. This is Paul. But we, but just as we have been approved by God to be entrusted with the gospel, so we speak, not as pleasing men, but God who examines our heart. So Paul understood the view. He had the proper view of the gospel. And that he treated it as a, a, a sacred trust, put it in the care and protection of someone. And therefore, what did Paul do? Paul went out and gave the gospel. Right. So what are the hindrances? What are the hindrances to witnessing? Well, fear, intimidation, afraid of failing, afraid of being called religious. What's the solution to that? Romans 1.16, right? For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God and salvation for everyone who believes, for the Jew first and also for the Greek. Right? So the, the gospel message comes with power. So um, we talk about the fear. What, what's the fear? What we say? What, fear of what? So we say fear of being called religious, okay? Fear of Fear what? of failing would be more, you know, they just don't do it right or they don't even I think sometimes, like, when we try to explain something to somebody, we want them to, to respond, but realizing we're not, that's not our responsibility. Right. We're just called to share it, tell the truth, and... Right, right. You know, so, I think a, we have a, afraid of failing. And, and I think what Michael says is a, afraid of not having the answers, right? Somebody asks a question, and we're like, uh, well, uh, I don't know that one, yeah. <laughs> I don't know the it's answer. It's okay to say I don't yeah. know. You say I don't know, but I can get I can get the answer and get back to you, right? That's that's, that's how you handle that, right? Just do that. So. Yeah. Also, uh, being afraid of being called a hypocrite, you know, just 
we all sent, you know. Right. We might do something the day before and that same person that you're talking to seeing what you did, then you feel like you tell them you can't they can't do that and you just did it. Right. Right. So yeah. yeah. So that's a that's a that's a good uh, a real good example. And so that means really we need to be careful how we uh, you know what our walk looks like to those around us, right? And if we and and if we do, you know, sin against someone, it's we need to make uh, you know uh, repentance of that, so that you know those outside who see that would recognize that. Oh well, okay, they recognize that and they made amends for it, as opposed to you know other people would just not care. Right? Yeah good example and then what else pray for boldness right so in acts 4 29 said now look uh, now lord look on their threats and grant to your servants that with all boldness they may speak your word so a lot of times people say oh pray for opportunities pray for opportunities but are, are there lacking opportunities no no is, is there's, as long as you're running into people there's opportunities right it's more what paul says is pray for boldness that we would you know, speak the truth in boldness and then with wisdom and power right so paul says in first corinthians 2 3 through 5 i was with you in weakness and in fear and in much trembling and my message and preaching were not in persuasive words of wisdom but in demonstration of the spirit and of power so that your faith would not rest on the wisdom of men but on the power of god right? so it isn't it isn't by cleverness and then there's a lot of a lot of people that will try and use their cleverness. In fact, uh, some churches that do the altar calls, the pastor is a great manipulator, and he will manipulate people into coming down to the, you know, to the to the stage and making that uh, profession. But it's it's um, it's based on man's wisdom. So he's trick kind of trickery, literally. But Paul here says it's not it's not based on my wisdom is based on the power of God. Now, I'd probably never have to worry about that because I'm not wise enough or smart enough to trick people, right? So, that's good. So, hindrances, lack of training. What's the solution? Well, always be ready, right? No, so, so, be ready to do that. And also, do we know this verse, 2 Timothy 2.15? Y'all know it. The, um, yeah, it's the, um, ah, I know it, but I keep, yes. yeah, there you go, <laughs> that one. <laughs> right, so be diligent, right, and what does that word diligent mean? You could throw a lot in there, be consistent, right, be, consistent. There you go. be prepared, be ready, do a good job, be, uh, be focused on it, right, so be diligent to present yourself approved to God, a workman, or as a workman who does not need to be ashamed, accurately handling the word of truth. Right? So we need to know the word so that we can present it accurately. So that's how we overcome then uh, the hindrances. You know, it's like if you're going to teach, what do you need to do to teach? Well, you need to know the material you're going to teach. Right? So it's the same thing with sharing the gospel. What do you need to know? Well, you need to be able to know the gospel, right? So you can properly... Properly explain it and share it. We like to share the words better proclaim, to proclaim it, right? So then, and then uh, memorize scripture, right? You don't have to memorize the whole 
the whole Bible, but you memorize a few select that is, passages. I, I wish I was Susan Heck in that aspect. That woman has memorized just about the whole Bible. Is that right? You have you? Yes. I've never I heard. Mean, What's her name? She's, uh, Susan Heck. Susan Heck. Right. And yes, she knows the whole Old uh, New Testament wow. really, all the way through. But she now she's starting to do Old Testament. But um, but yeah. I mean, memorization is not my thing, but I try, just like I can say a word or two of it, but yeah, I don't, right. I just don't do well with memorization. Yeah, so there's a few, you said, you know, some, some good, uh, probably, you, you know, six or eight verses or something like that would, would, um, be able to allow you to do a good gospel presentation, right? So wages of sin is death, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, right? So those are a couple. And then, um, um, if you, you know, Romans uh, 10, 9, if you confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, you believe in your heart, God, that, that God raised him from the dead, you'll be saved, right? And so there's a few, and uh, j you know, just intersperse a few gospel uh, um, uh, uh, scriptures in with your presentation. Or the other thing you can do, which sometimes I do, is that, um, and my wife, if you look at her, her uh, Bible she uses, she's got tabs, all kinds of tabs on there. I was about to say, I have one that has just the tabs for that. Yeah, it's it, great. So you, you open it up and you literally out. have them read it. Yeah. So they're reading it for themselves. Right? So that works. So memorization is good. It helps. And uh, there's other reasons we memorize, right? So, but, uh, And then you can always participate in evangelism training. So why is it then that... Uh, we need to evangelize. Why is it we need to tell people the truth? Because what is man's condition before salvation? Right? Romans, and we covered this way back when in, uh, well, I don't know, first or second, right? There's none who understands. This is Romans 3, 10 through 12. There's none who understands, none who seeks after God. All have turned aside. They've all become useless. There's none who does good. They're spiritually dead, Ephesians 2, uh, 3 through 5. And then they're blinded by Satan. 2 Corinthians 4 4. So I've, I've used this example before, but R.C. Sproul says it. He said, you know, can a, a dead thing feel a 400 pound weight you put on its chest? No. A dead no, a corpse can't feel anything, right? So when it says in Ephesians, we were dead in our trespasses and sins, we're, we're dead to the things of God, right? We can't, we can't do anything, we can't respond to anything, but. Somebody shares the gospel, and it's the Holy Spirit that uses that to regenerate. So. so then, remember this too, is that God is totally sovereign in conversion. Okay, so here you're going to have a big argument between lots of folks in the Bible Belt, right, who are Arminianists versus, you know, kind of Calvinists. So, but Scripture calls it, right, Romans 8, 29 through 30, that we are called by God. We're drawn by God, convicted by the Holy Spirit. Uh, it's God who grants repentance. It's God who gives the gift of faith. Um, it's God who gives the acknowledgement as Christ as Lord. And it's, jobs, it's God's job to save a man's soul, not us. It's our job to just be obedient and share the gospel. So then what's our responsibility? We're commanded to do it, right? Matthew 16, 15. And what's the key point here? We can't fail. We can't fail because it's God's responsibility to do the saving, right? It's only our responsibility to bring the message. 
and that can be a lot of ways. Right? You can do, you, you know, the, what we call, uh, uh, or Mark Duke calls it evangelism 101, is just walking around handing out tracts. And people can read the tract, you know, and a tract has all the information on it, so that's a good way too. So it's God that brings the harvest, not us. So then, what is the good news of the gospel? Well, uh, I think you mentioned this one earlier, Kathy, right? Um, 1 Corinthians 15, 3 through 4, For I delivered to you, first of all, that which I also received, that Christ died for our sins according to scriptures, and that he was buried, and that he rose again the third day according to the scriptures. That's the gospel. So, what must a person understand to be saved? Well, they must understand that they are sinful before a holy God, right? And we can use uh, um, Romans 3.23, right? Where all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Right? That's all means all, and that's all all means. Everybody is a sinner before God, right? And as a result of that, they're in need of the Savior to save them from their sins, right? And that's Romans, uh, Romans 6, 23. For the wages of sin is death. So, everyone's a sinner. Sin leads to death. Everyone's headed for hell. And you need to explain that sometimes because they say, well, doesn't everybody die? Well, what does death mean? Well, there's, there's death. There's the physical death of the body, but the soul continues on. And a person either ends up in hell, which is called an eternal death, or they end up in heaven in life everlasting. And they understand that, that God, through the sacrifice of Christ, is the only means of salvation. Everybody, there's a, there's a saying that says, that in the beginning, God created man. Man has been trying to turn, return the favor ever since, right? Exactly. Recreating his own God, all right? So, but it's, it's, uh, there's only one way through, through salvation, but people make up, you know, their own, right? And it's good works usually, and it's, uh, you know, all kinds of other, other man-made processes that they think are going to somehow make themselves, um, you know, good in God's eyes. Right? And that's, it's, uh, as I say, there's, there's only two types of religion in the world, right? There's the religion of, um, human achievement or there's the religion of divine accomplishment right so the divine accomplishment is 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 uh christianity that god has already done it all and human achievement is everything else so what then are the essentials right man is a sinner romans 3 23 uh man will die separate from god romans 6 23 God is holy, righteous, uh, and just, and he hates sin. Psalm 5, 4, and uh, 5. Let's look at that one. Right. Psalm 5, 4, and 5. For you are not a God who takes pleasure in wickedness, nor shall evil dwell with you. The boastful shall not stand in your sight. You hate all workers of iniquity. And then uh, man is unable to save himself. So Mark 10, 26 and 27. And they were greatly astonished, saying among themselves, Who then can be saved? But Jesus looked at them and said, With men it is impossible, 
but not with God, for with God all things are possible. Which is contrary to what man thinks. Right? Man thinks he can save himself. Right? That's, that's man's message. Okay then, <coughs> continue. What are the essentials of the gospel message? Then Jesus is the only way to salvation, right? John 14, 6. He is the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through him. And then Acts 4, 12. Jesus said to him, whoops. Nor is there salvation in any other for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. Jesus then is both man and God. Uh, this was a memory verse too, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. So in the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And then verse 14, And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld His glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. So then, um, when you're sharing that verse, what, why is it important to make the distinction that Jesus is both God and man? Well, one thing, I, because a lot of people don't, they believe they're two separate, that God is God, and how is it, it's like he did, wears different hats. And a lot of people believe that. I was unaware of that. Mm -hmm. I thought everybody knew that Jesus was God. But Yeah. So that's a that's one good point, is because um, yeah, so like there's a one the one Pentecostal church. They believe in something called modalism, right? Where yeah. God they believe in God, but they don't believe God is the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit all at the same time. They believe that Oh, he's God here, he's the Holy Spirit here, or he's Jesus here. Yeah. But they don't coexist, co-essential, co-eternal. They're one. It's a one entity that then becomes one of different three, uh, one of three different manifestations. Yeah. So that's one one reason that you would do that. And then the other though is that when you talk about the death of Christ, right? Is that Christ had to be God in order to be sinless, right? But he had to be a man in order to die. And so that's why those two verses, uh, or that verse is critical to bring up. Because um, if he was born a man, and of course that, that's where you know, the virgin birth comes in. Right? Because where does the sin, or the seed, of, the seed of man comes through Adam, sin comes through Adam. And so, therefore, all men born of the seed of Adam are born with sin. But Jesus was born of the woman. So his... Women don't have it, right? And so the Holy Spirit came on her, and so he was born uh, of her and the Holy Spirit. So he was born without the, the sin of Adam that was being passed through. So that's the another important thing. It was, he was born... As a man, but God at the same time. So he's both God and man. 100% God and man. He had to be God in order to be sinless. He had to be man in order to die on the cross. And that's how God used it to accomplish the punishment that was for all men placed on Jesus. And then through that death resurrection of Jesus, then all men who believe are then 
part of that death and resurrection in his in the sacrifice, the propitiation where God God's wrath has been satisfied by the sacrifice of Christ. So then Jesus paid the penalty for us, right? Let's look at First Peter. He uh, uh, who himself bore our sins in his own body on the tree that we, having died to sins, might live for righteousness by whose stripes we are healed. First Peter 2, 24. So Christ then suffered the penalty of us. Now think about this for a minute. For people who die and they are not saved, how long will they be in hell? Eternity. Eternity, right? So they're going to be punished for eternity. Right? How is it that Jesus then can hang on the cross for three hours, but yet satisfy the penalty of all the sins of those who believe if they indeed are to be punished for an eternity or would have been punished for an eternity? Because Jesus is God, he is an infinite being, right? So God can literally place the infinite punishment that we deserve on Jesus in a three-hour time frame. I don't know what that looks like. I don't know how he does that. But knowing that, that Jesus is an infinite being, God is an infinite being, God could place an infinite punishment on Christ in that three-hour time period. Then, we can be saved by believing in Jesus and what he did, right? John 3, 16, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. And Romans 10, 9, right? That if you confess with your mouth that Jesus uh, is Lord, believe in your heart God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. So that's the, those are the essentials, then, of the gospel, right? So, let's look at a strategy, all right? Strategy you can witness by your life. How? Um, you read that for us, Michael. Matthew 5, 16, let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. Right? This is your everyday life, your everyday walk. They see you doing good works throughout your life, and then they recognize that and then the other be above reproach right philippians 2 14 and 15 do all things without complaining and disputing that you may become blameless and harmless children of god without fault in the midst of a crooked and perverse generation among whom you shine as lights in the world again we can be that light where people see something different about that person just by the way they behave And then pray for, say, pray for opportunities. Right? Meanwhile, pray, Paul, Paul says in Colossians 4, 3 through 4, Meanwhile, praying also for us that God would open to us a door for the word to speak the mystery of Christ, for which I am also in change, that I may make it manifest as I ought to speak. So here, he's, he is praying for an opportunity. Open a door for us. Because if you remember in Thessalonians, I think it's in Thessalonians, we talked about that. Uh, that the Holy Spirit prevented them from going to share the gospel. So for whatever reason, it wasn't time, or the Holy Spirit didn't want to, 
didn't want to send him, uh, send him to where he wanted to go. And so here he's just praying, open a door that we may go. Of course, he had been, during that time, you know, he had been re restricted. He had been put in jail. He had been beaten so many times. But So he was just praying that the door would be open, that he would be able to go and, and present the gospel. So we want to pray the same thing, that we, we have not only the opportunity, but also the boldness. What is opportunity without boldness? It's a missed opportunity sometimes, right? Yeah. yeah. And then we pray that God would open hearts. right? Can you read that for us, Kathy? Ephesians 1.18 I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened so that you will know what is the hope of his calling, what are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints. Yeah, so this again is putting all the all the onus on the Holy Spirit, right? Just that the Holy Spirit would open eyes to, to, to see the word, to hear the word, to believe the word. And then the strategy is we use God's word. Right? Why do we do that? Can you read that, Michael? Hebrews 4.12, for the word of the God, for the word of God is living and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the division of soul and spirit and the joints and marrow and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. Yeah. So that's why we use God's word too because the power is in the word, right? We can explain the word, but... Now, this has uh, divided the soul and spirit. Yeah. Does that mean, was that even pierced through the division of soul and spirit? Was that... Right. Can you do that? Can I do that? No. I mean, some people say it's the soul or and the spirit the same thing. Yeah, they are. They are. So, you you the word soul spirit is used interchangeably, and so it's like, uh, how do you, how can you divide the soul and the spirit? Well, we can't, but God's word is so fine that it can, literally, and it's almost a, I think another uh, joints and marrow, you know, is a Separation of joints and marrow is uh, one of those things, again, it's so hard to do, but yet God's word is sharp enough to do that. So, and there's a, there, people talk about the, the, there's a dichotomic nature of us. We have body and soul, and then there's others say, well, there's a trichotomy nature where we got body, soul, and spirit. It's like when you're saved, the spirit of God comes and resides in you. Sometimes people look at that and they say, oh, well, that's what they're talking about there. But in reality... Um, there, you know. Well, I just I always thought the soul and spirit was the same thing. It is, yeah. Okay. It's the same. Word. And, and you know, if you go back uh, even 50 years ago, you you pick up Bibles and they would use the word Holy Ghost. Yeah. Right? Instead of the Holy Spirit. So, um, but yeah. So, but it's it's not that <coughs> we can discern, but God's word is so sharp so precise that it can divide anything, right? It's going to divide things based upon God's word, what's true, and what's false. So, okay. But good observation. And then 2 Timothy 3.16, right? And that from childhood you have known the holy scriptures which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith which is in Christ Jesus. So this is a Another one of those verses, the Holy Scriptures are able to make you wise for salvation. 
right? This is like one, Romans 1.16, right? I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation. So in both cases, here in Timothy is saying, you know the Holy Scriptures, and it's the Holy Scriptures that you need in order to be saved. They make you wise unto salvation, right? But that wisdom is used by the Holy Spirit to regenerate the heart. So just like in, in Romans 1.16, it's, it's the power of God unto salvation. It's his word. This is how he saves people. This is how he has chosen to save people, through the preaching of the gospel. Okay, so how do you, how do you approach someone to share the gospel? Well, we have icebreakers. You know, what's an icebreaker? These are, these are icebreakers, these little tracks. Uh, I had another one I, I was looking for, but uh, which is really a good one because it's an optical illusion. You know, you hold them up and so, here's a couple of tracks. One for each of you there. And then uh, you're not alone. And then the atheist test. Yeah. These are good. These are, a lot of this stuff comes from Ray Comfort. Um, yeah, he does good with the, the Ten Commandments. Right. Yeah. So, that's a great way to do a gospel presentation because people always think they're good. In fact, we'll, we'll go through that in a minute. So. Okay, what else? So, you got the tracks. Uh, what else? There's dem oh, we could do a demonstration. So, with the with the Ten Commandments. So this is, um, I'll, I'll I'll be like Ray Comfort and and Michael. You be my you be my heathen, right? Okay. So uh, you know, he'll start off uh, and, and ask people, uh, you know, what do you do? You know anything about God? Who is God? Right. And so you just play it off. Who is God? You know God. Well, answer it. Do you think? Uh, do you think when you die you're going to go to heaven? Yeah, sure. Well, and why do you think you're going to go to heaven? Because I'm good. Because you're a good person. Um, so, how do you think that you would stand up uh, against the Ten Commandments? Should we try? Sure. Sure. So because God has given us His Ten Commandments, and that's uh, that, that's His moral law. And so, if you have obeyed His moral law, then you would be a good person. So then, let's let's say this. Have you ever? Have you ever told any lies in your life? Uh, yeah. Not well, uh, what do you call a person who tells lies? A liar. A liar. So, still think you're a good person? Yeah. Okay. Uh, so let's let's move on. Is it how, how many? Uh, have you ever stolen anything in your life, no matter how how insignificant or how how you know how small the value? Yes. Yeah, and what do you call a person who steals? Stealer. A stealer, or in other words, a thief, right? Yeah. So, so then, by your own mission, you're lying, thief, right? So you still think you're a good person? Yeah, because everybody else does. Okay. How about this one? Then? Uh, uh, have you ever, in your life, uh, because Jesus said this, and you heard of, heard said of old, thou shalt not commit adultery. But I say to you, anyone who looks upon another person with lust uh, has committed adultery in his heart already. So have you ever, in your life, looked on another person with lust? Maybe so. so. He felt trapped by that one. <laughs> well, you could have said, "Yeah, your wife," but before you married, but you know. Yes. Well, I mean, you know, I'm just trying to throw out questions, up, answers out there that somebody might have. Yeah, know. right. Okay. <laughs> and here's, was. So here's a, here's another thing. Uh, have you ever in your life used the Lord's name in vain? 
That's using using God's word name as a cuss word. No. So you never said GD. No, on occasion. On occasion. So then, Michael, by your own admission, you are a lying, thieving, adultering, blasphemer at heart. And that's only four out of the Ten Commandments. Now, would you still consider yourself a good person? You know, because that's what the whole society does. So when God judges you based on those Ten Commandments, are you going to be guilty or innocent? Probably guilty. Guilty. Heaven or hell? Hell. Does that concern you? Not too much. Not too much. Well, that should terrify you because the hell is forever and ever. and And the punishment never stops. And that doesn't bother you? I don't know. I think about it. Hey, anyway, so do you want to know what God did for you so that you could escape hell? Yes. Yeah. Boom. Now you can go into a, into a gospel presentation just like that. So that's how Ray Comfort uses the law. And it's great because it focuses on a person's uh, actions, what they've done, the sins they commit, and it's in direct contrast to their idea of being a good person. Because like you said, everybody says they're a good person. And then they like to say, well, everybody's done that. And say, we say, well, yeah, everybody's done that. But, and everybody individually is going to stand before a holy, righteous God. And he's going to judge them based on what they've done. So he, what, what, what Ray says is that you know what you do is you bypass their, he says you bypass the intellect, which... I get what he means, and you don't really bypass the intellect. What you're doing is you're bypassing their understanding of what uh, a good person is, and you're going right to the heart of what sinful behavior looks like. And so that's what you bypass, and now you're going right down, and they're guilty before God, and you just explained it, and they recognize that. So now there's no excuse, and now it's, oh, wow, yeah. Even though he'll go on and give the gospel presentation, and people will still... You know, say, well, that's for you, not for me. Or they'll make some other excuse, right? So. Mm-hmm. But anyway, that's, that's just a quick demonstration of how to get from, you know, one place here and get into the gospel. Right? So. And I, I like that. It's a quick way to do that. There's others. There's, a, um, there's the two questions. Uh, I don't know if you ever heard of uh, D. James Kennedy. D. James Kennedy, he's, he's passed away. But he, was a, uh, he was a pastor in a Presbyterian church in Florida pretty good-sized church, and his organization came out with um, an evangelism, uh, I guess it was more of a process or class, but they called it Evangelism Explosion, EE. And then where we went to church before, um, Grace Community Church in Southern California, they took that, modified it, and called it DE, Discipleship Evangelism. And that's where we had um, first learned to uh, present the gospel. But in, in EE or DE, we have two questions. And the two questions are really good because they get to the heart of that issue, the heart of the issue quickly. So here's the first question. And uh, I'll ask you, Kathy. Um, have you come to a place in your spiritual life where you could say for certain that if you died today, you would go to heaven? You want me to answer that as a non-believer? As a non-believer. Okay. <laughs> well, yeah, because everybody yeah. thinks they're going to heaven. Okay. Uh, and, you know, that's, uh, most people would say the same thing, and the Bible tells us that we can know for certain. In fact, 1 John 5.15 says, these things that I've written to you that you may know. You have eternal. Not guess, but you may know. You can actually know if you have eternal life. 
Let me ask you a second question. Suppose you were to stand before God, and he were to say to you, Kathy, why should I let you into my heaven? What would you say? Yes, and I'm a good person. Okay, so now you just told me everything I need to know to present the gospel. Number one, you think you're going to heaven. And number two, you think you're going there because you think you're a good person. And so from there, we would we would just say, can I, can I tell you what the Bible has to say about eternal life? And then we would start a gospel presentation just from that. So those are just two different, two different um, ways of getting into uh, a gospel presentation. So. And, and can I just add, and just to share between us, to make sure that if we're sharing with somebody, that you've taken another person with you that's supposed to be a Christian, and you're trying to witness to one person, Make sure they're in the same boat with you because I was trying, I did try that, the Ray Comfort thing. We, uh, a lady and I went, uh, two co-workers, we went to go get ice cream one day. One of them is an unbeliever. But the other one, <clears throat> I'm, I'm praying for her. I, I generally believe she is saved. I know she loves the Lord, but she's under some bad teaching and stuff. But anyway, so I'm talking this one, so I start with the Ray Comfort thing to share the gospel with her. And I asked her, you know, have you ever told a lie, you know? And she was like, yeah. I said, well, have you ever stolen anything? No, I've never stolen. And I was like, really? I mean, that's kind of hard to believe. We're, you know, we can steal from our employer by stealing time or, you know, whatever. So, but then this girl jumps in. We're not trying to say you're a bad person. And I'm thinking, yes, we are. <laughs> Okay. Well, well, well. Yeah, that's funny. Well, you know what Ray does? It's funny when they say, have you ever lied? And they say, yeah, I've told lies. And they say, have you ever stole anything? And then they say, no, I never stole anything. And then Ray says, be careful now. You just told me you're a liar. <laughs> well, there you go. There's my answer. Right? Okay, there's... So, it's great. So, and you can watch on YouTube. You know, you just click on Ray Comfort. And he's got so many great uh, presentations that he's put on there. So, But anyway, I just say... Um, Sharing the gospel, what it really takes more than anything else is just practice. Just do it, you know. And then the more and more you do it, the more and more comfortable you're at doing it. And the, the better your, uh, I think, recall on verses and where to go because you're comfortable. And it's like anything else, you know. Um, I don't know how many times you've ever gone to a job interview, but when you're in that job or interview, people ask you questions and you say something. And then when you get out, you just say, I can't believe I didn't say this. Well, it's, you didn't say it because you were not comfortable. You were under a little bit of stress and the mind works a little bit different. So that when you're out sharing the gospel, if you've done it enough times to where you're comfortable at it, then your recall, your memory, everything is better. So it's really just a matter of practice. So I would say, you know, practice on each other. Well, you know, here's the truth. You know, this is the first church we've ever gone to that really <clears throat> has said anything. So... To be honest, we didn't even, I mean, we didn't know, and we don't know how to present it because we've never been to a church that uh, really pushes it. And I mean, honestly, you, all, you never do. The places right. we go to, you know, it's, or have been, um, uh, they just don't emphasize going out, knocking door to door. Or mm -hmm. just sharing the gospel with just people you can. Right. But they're, they're, so whenever I first did the partners thing is where they really started saying something about that. And 
So I, I went to some, some of my co-workers who are professing believers, and I asked them, if I asked you to share the gospel with me, could you? Not one of them could. Yeah. Not none of them. Yeah. Just did a little training. Yeah. So that's just, that's sad to yeah. me, but that's, you know. Yeah. That, <laughs> great, great point, great point. Because there was a, a church, my wife and I went um, to... We didn't, we didn't leave Grace Community Church where we were from, but we had a friend who, uh, who had uh, graduated seminary, and he became a pastor of a church in Santa Clarita, Santa Clarita Baptist Church. And so we would go there uh, you know, occasionally to, to just kind of help them out or just to give them support. And one of the things they did is they would go out into the community and uh, so we go, oh, great, we'll go out and share the gospel. And it was interesting as they said, well, we don't want you sharing the gospel. We just, want, we just want to hand out these, you know, little church bulletins and invite them to the church. And then when they come to the church, they'll hear the gospel. And so uh, we kind of thought that odd. But, uh, because in reality, uh, you know, they might not hear the gospel every time they come. I mean, they're going to hear parts of the gospel. They're going to hear preaching. But... Look at Chris, for instance. He's, he goes exege exegetically verse by verse through the Bible. And so it could be quite a while before you hear a complete gospel presentation in that, you know, that kind of a well, see, preaching. And that's another thing about us. You know, since we come down here to church and we live up there in the fall, it, you know, it's hard for us to go out to do Or not hard, but if somebody asks, well, where do you go to church at? And we've got to tell them we come down here. Yeah, yeah. Then the conversation's over and part, you know, that's it. Right. Well, I mean, it, it isn't important necessarily where you go to church, right? Again, it's the gospel, and people can be saved anywhere. Uh, once they're saved, though, is that you do want to try and point them to a, to a solid a church as you can get them to, right? Now, obviously... I share that. I have to say I shared the gospel. This one woman did me. We sat down and went over... I took one of them, the ones from here, yeah. and we went through verse by verse. I sat down. It took us a couple of hours, but I did get to do that. Um, and she responded, but I looked at her, and I said, I can't tell you where to go to church. And I said, because we go all the way to Maryland. And I knew that wasn't going to be a possibility for her. And I said, but you do need to find a church to get into. Yeah. And, you know, um, but I, I just couldn't even recommend the church. I mean, this is why we come here. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So, I, okay, this is a, this is really, really a, a, good, uh, a good point, is that when people are pretty isolated um, and they really don't have a body of believers, a strong body of believers or something, to where they're going to get fed and, uh, you know, they can get plugged in, I think the next best thing would be then to at least find a good church online, right? And watch, um, you know, watch the uh, sermons and hear the message, and and they can they can sing from home while they're while they're going through. I mean, that's I would say that's the next best thing. And then uh, over time, it's you know pray that that uh, God would bring a church or plant a church in the neighborhood that oh, is praying. solid, right? Be praying. Be praying. Yeah. And we're praying. We are praying. We, we, we really pray for that for our own community mm. because.
because I see that I see people load searching and they have nowhere to turn and they don't they're not learning anything in the churches. I went through the same thing. It was yeah. the exact same thing for me. So I totally morning. Yeah. So uh, that's you know I think you guys together is as you can accumulate other like-minded folks, you get uh, you know ten or twenty families. And uh, like Big Grace has, um, they have a program called um, Church Advance, Church Advance. And so they'll literally send some people out and they will meet with the believers and um, help them get ready for a church plant. And then when the time comes, they will have a pastor ready to move out there and, and start. So it's a, uh, it's and it goes on all over the country. Wow. Yeah, it's a way to start churches in areas where hard, they need them. <laughs> yeah. So I mean, that's a big thing. Is uh, you know, I you you probably have uh, Facebook uh, communities and things like that. Yeah, where... we've been searching for that like on in, in ours, but uh, in Paula and Mark Lejean. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they're out there. Them, they have the food trucks, and we we ended up running into them, and they were saying that um, they know about they know they know several families and I asked them if they could you know reach out to them and set it up because they know these people and they know that they're solid in their theology and stuff and let's see if we couldn't meet together in our own community and, and get to know one another and start building a community of you know of believers right there yeah. that have the same beliefs. And uh, another friend of mine from work a coworker from mine um, her, she was. We were talking the other day, and something got mentioned about John the Carpenter. She said, "I know him." She said, "I listen to him every morning." I, would, I about fell out the floor because I was like, "People don't know him here." And she said that her husband had started listening, but they're looking for somewhere too. And she was asking about where we go, and I said, "You know, right now we're in Maribel. But if we can start just getting, even if it's just once a month, meeting yeah. with these other believers, you know." That's how it starts. Yeah. And, and, and really, uh, you just will stay in touch and let me know when you get a, get to the point where you got enough people. I'll contact um, Dave Amandis, who is part of uh, part of the Grace Advance team, and he's one of the guys who comes out. He or another uh, a couple other guys would literally fly out, meet with uh, meet with the, the folks that are interested in starting a church, and kind of go through some of the logistics and what's necessary and and they can plan it, and they get a, a pastor who's ready to move and wow. start it up. That is amazing. Yeah, yeah, so it's good plans. So. Okay, so move on here. Application then, First uh, uh, Timothy 2, uh, 1, and 3 and 4. It says, first of all, then, I urge that entreaties and pa- uh, prayers, petitions, and thanksgiving made on behalf of all men. This is good and acceptable in the sight of God our Savior, who desires... All men to be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. This is interesting word here. This this passage when he said, "This desires all men to be saved." Right? This is this is a uh, um, this is God's desire. God desires that all men would be saved. But will they? No. No, they won't. This is this is His will of desire. This is this is a uh, something that that He wants. But because man in their fallen condition will not accept the things of God, right? So it's He who has to do it. And that's why we evangelize. 
So then, let's do a quick review. Uh, we, we went over the call to evangelize, the good news of evangelism, which is the gospel, the essentials of evangelism, a strategy for evangelism, and application. So any questions? Any questions? No questions. Okay, so I have a quiz. Uh, of course you do. I have a quiz. I'm sure she'll be so upset. Yeah. Did I already put, maybe I set it over there. I might have. Quiz for. Oh, did I get this? I'm sorry. Hmm? Oh, I thought you might have done something. Oh, you gotta set them down here. Here they are under my book. Here we go. Oh, I gotta give you our homework, too. Yeah, I'll give you those back. So we on obedience. Next week we cover obedience. So let's see, she was not here. Oh, see, Kathy, you did get a hundred percent. And uh oh. <laughs> Michael got tri tripped up on the trick questions. Uh oh. <laughs> well, we, can't, we all can't be perfect. No, not all the time. All right, while you're doing that, I'll pray. Father God, thank you for our time today. Uh, thank you, Lord, for your word, its, it's preciseness, its clarity. The fact, Lord, that uh, you use this to save us um, and that you've given us the ability then to carry that word um, to those who don't know you and then uh, through that uh, even save some people. And so we're just so thankful that we can be part of the process of, um, of enlarging your kingdom and um, just pray, Lord, that you would give us those opportunities to do so, the boldness when those opportunities present. And uh, we do that all just to give you the glory. And uh, we thank you, Lord, for our time today. And just pray for um, blessings on the rest of our day today. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.